You are now listening to Bet Your Ash with Cornelius and McGee. Your Ash. That's Cornelius. I'm McGee. Our friend Darren is here with us, and we will talk to him in a minute. We have two very important, special, fantastic questions to ask him. But first, we always start in the same place. Yes, we do. What are we smoking today? Today, we are smoking the uh, CAO Bones from the CAO line of cigars. Um, It was... uh, uh, inspiration by brand ambassador Rick Rodriguez uh, from CAO, and it was inspired um, based on the old, you know, kickback game of dominoes. Um, of course, dominoes or no dominoes. Wow, guess that explains why there's dice in there. But yeah, that's what I was gonna uh, ask. That's weird. Maybe maybe we'll get Darren to shed some light on there, but. <laughs> Uh, it's hailing out of the, this particular brand is, uh, constructed and rolled and, uh, held from STG Esteli factory in Nicaragua. Uh, Bones uses a dark Connecticut broadleaf wrapper to encase a Connecticut shade binder and a filler combination of Nicaraguan tobacco, Dominican, Palato, Cubano, and Honduran leaf. That together produce a solid burning medium to full body profile. So this particular cigar comes in just uh, between medium to medium to full. Uh, also might answer some of your questions if you listen to all of those leaves that I rattled off. Yeah. Um, it's a lot. This, this is a tightly packed cigar. So yeah. it's not necessarily just a few different leaves. Um, it uses a ton of different tobacco to get that profile that... Uh, that they intended. So it actually comes in a blind hoogie, which oh. is a Toro. Okay. <laughs> it comes in a chicken foot. That's what we're smoking. Mm-hmm, which is a Robusto. <laughs> comes in a Maltese, which is a Gigante 6x60. And it comes in a Matador, which is a Churchill 7.2x54. It's distributed by General Cigar. Yeah. So I wanted, I got this box a little while ago. And I've wanted to have these cigars on the pod for a while now. And the reason is, when you open up the box, you take off the lid, and there's this little soft lined, you know, uh, insert or kind of like the inset of the lid. Mm-hmm. And then you open it up, and it has two dice sitting there waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can just you toss them right into the lid. You can you can sit here and play craps with your friends while you're smoking your cigar. Yeah. So, it's kind of like a theme pod. That's why I wanted Darren to come hang out with us, because Darren used to be a stick man at the crab table. Do you say crab's dealer or stick man? Croupier. Croupier. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I'm learning stuff already. That wasn't one of my two questions, though. <laughs> um, I wanted to know, because you, you were, you were it, was here, it was here in Blackhawk, correct? It was. And you were a stick man for a couple years? I was for a little while, yes. What was the biggest winning streak or, or, or craziest winning run that you saw in your time as a stick man or as a croupier? 
Well, the longest roll was probably about an hour and 15 minutes. Wow. Wow. So a pretty good roll. That's a pretty good roll. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of, uh, that's some action right there. Mm-hmm. That is definitely some action. Well, in that time, the table dropped about uh, $17,000. Wow. The table raked third to no, seventeen. The table lost. Table lost to the players $17,000. Wow. In that one roll of the dice. That's exciting. I would have liked to have been there that night. So my other question is, what's the worst behavior you ever saw from some players at a craps table? Well, that's an interesting question because it depends on how much alcohol they've had. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the the worst plays, people really interrupting a roll because the dice have a flow and you'd have a full table of people. And craps is an exciting game. Especially when you're on a, a good roll, a good run, and everybody's winning money, and there's a good flow to the table. And there could be literally thousands of dollars out on the felt in play. And you'll have somebody come up. So probably the worst action somebody can do is walk up to the craps table in the middle of a big roll with 5 or $10 to buy in for their $5 pass line bet or their $5 <laughs> bet. And it... Throws the whole, and immediately you know what's going to happen. It's just in the cards or in the dice, which is a seven out. And so uh, that's the really one of the worst behaviors is interrupting a roll, and uh, you know the table loses all the money. So I've always figured that as I, nobody even ever had to tell me that's rude. Don't don't buy in in the middle of somebody's turn. I always just kind of. Why would I? It never even dawned on me that I would. But I notice whenever I walk up to a table and somebody's rolling, croupier, croupier will invite you to do that. They're trying to mess with the guys, or, or maybe they're just trying to get more money in play. I didn't know if it was because they were trying to mess with the roller's vibe or his, 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 his motion. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I always get invited in, and I'm like, oh, no, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait till it's after. It's the old uh, batter, 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 swing, batter, 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 swing, batter, batter. Ain't no batter. Batter, batter, swing. Yeah. Well, the dealers don't want to mess with the player's vibe because the dealers are, you know, hopefully getting tipped on a good roll. Yeah. And so the dealers, they don't care if the house wins. Um so they want new players to come in and put money on the table. But uh, it is the, you know, the pit boss who has a bigger interest in making sure a, a big roll, you know, stops. Because that's their responsibility is to kind of uh, upset the flow of the dice. Play the role of the cooler. Play the role of the cooler. <laughs> Could the uh, floor guy in the middle of a roll request a dice change? Oh, sure. They can request a dice change. They can bring new. There's a lot of different things that they do to upset the flow. Uh, They'll bring in new chips. They will do a variety of different things. They'll change uh, positions of the dealers. I noticed that never happens when somebody's coming out. It always happens once the point's established. Then all the dealers are like, hold on, Jimmy's coming in. Hot potato. (laughs) Next thing you know, they're spinning around. (laughs) 
but craps is a it's a very interesting and fun game there's a lot of you know there are strategies behind craps where you can really reduce the house odds if you play it properly okay i'm hooked what is well the house like any other game has a big advantage on any game except for there's one bet in any casino where the house has no advantage and it's an odds bet and it's you're getting paid true odds and the house has no advantage on that bet that's why you don't see it on the table that you don't see it marked on the craps on the felt layout where it says odds place your bet here for odds right because they expect players to know and understand that but that bet is where the house has no advantage once the point is established you can you already have your 5 or your 10 or whatever you have on the on the pass line you can then Back that up with a stack of chips behind it. That's your now, odds bet. In Colorado, it used to be a hundred times. When when the casinos first opened, it wasn't a hundred times, but it was up to a hundred. Okay. But there were a couple of casinos where you could bet a dollar on the pass line and up to a hundred on your odds bet. <laughs> wow. So it wasn't quite a hundred to one, but it was about as close as you're going to get. Pretty good. Pretty good. And they don't do that anymore, but that was, I mean, yep. that's when you were getting great odds. It's hard to find that in casinos. Most casinos, you go to Vegas, for example, a lot of them is what you call three, four, five times odds. Uh, if you're, if you're lucky, you catch a casino where you have uh, 10 times odds and, some of them you might might find a table that's uh, greater odds, but those are the tables you want to play because the odds is where you reduce the house advantage. Nope. The house has a slight advantage on the come out roll, but it's only about one point four percent. The don't come, it's actually a little less. It's like one point three six percent on the don't come, and uh, they have a very slight advantage. But there's once a point is set, the house has no advantage on the odds, so that's where you want to maximize your odds bet and reduce the house advantage even further. So you can reduce a house advantage down to less than like 0.04%. Incredible. You don't, Neil, you don't really play craps, right? Yeah. You're just poker, billiards. Yeah. Those are your two. I kind of find somebody who knows what they're doing with a lot of chips in front of them, and I try to do the same thing they do. <laughs> <laughs> just with less money. That seems to be, uh, that's probably wise. It's probably a good way to do it. I used to just do six, eight in the pass line, and that doesn't mean win you a whole lot. No. You don't lose a whole lot either, but. Well, it depends how much you're, you're betting, but uh, but that's true. If you have a good roll and somebody's hitting those numbers. But the average number of, I'll tell you this. Once a person establishes a point, the average number of rolls that they will throw before they seven out is between seven and eight. That's mm-hmm. all. That's average. So when you have somebody go for an extended period of time where they are rolling for, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes, that's a really great roll. It doesn't happen so often. A lot of times you'll have someone establish a point, all this money goes on the table, and the very next roll, it's seven out. So one thing with craps is you have to have a bankroll to play craps. Yeah. You just don't want to go up there with you know, $20 and put it on the craps table because you're at a great disadvantage. You can't mm-hmm. maximize uh, your bets and reduce the house size. Just like, you know, just like poker or any other games, you want to have a, a bankroll to establish. Mm-hmm. But I know 
Greg is very familiar with hedging bets. Yeah, except I didn't do it on the NBA Finals this week, regardless for basketball because I was stubborn. Uh, but yeah, I'm a big fan of, of making sure you win <laughs> in whatever kind of gambling you can do. So you can really hedge your bets if you do it strategically at the craps table. So when I'm, let me, so you paint a situation and you tell me if this is a good way to hedge. When I'm coming out or when a dealer's car, a, a, a shooter's coming out, I will often put my wager on the line and then also bet the world. And that way, if I crap out on the on the come out and lose my my line bet, I'm making it back plus some with my world bet. Well, you can, but it's still not a great strategy. The house has a big advantage on that bet. Okay. So a way to really hedge your bets, if you look at it from a strategic point of view, is and. A few people do it. I've seen a few people do it at the craps table, but very few do it. Is on the come out roll, bet the lowest minimum bet. So say $5, if you can find a $5 minimum bet table. You never want to put more than a minimum on the line because you're just getting paid even money right. on you can that money. do everything on the odds. Right. You want to maximize your odds. So let's say you have a table that's 10 times odds. So here's a strategy that can be utilized is put $5 on the pass line, right. $5 on the don't pass line. So 7-Eleven, you win the pass line, you lose the don't pass, it's a wash, right? Yeah. 2, 3, or 12, just the opposite. It's a wash. So why would I do that? Well, then it's depending on what point is established is how you want to maximize your odds. With the odds. So let's say the point is 4, 5... Uh, four, five, six, or eight. Well, if it's four, five, six, or eight, my five dollar bet on the on the don't pass yeah. is on that number. I'm at a disadvantage. I, I'm at I'm at an advantage still on uh, on the four, five, six, or eight. Okay, my flat bet on the pass line is at a disadvantage. However, it's slight, but now I can maximize my odds bet. Now, if it comes out four or ten. I'm going to take and maximize my odds on the don't pass. Yeah. You can add odds to a don't pass you bet? You can add odds to a don't pass. Wow. Now, it works in reverse of the pass line. So say I have uh, $10 bet on the pass line. It's 10 times odds, and it's a five. for Five is the point. So I'm getting paid three to two mm-hmm. on my odds. So 10 times odds, I get 10 bucks. Uh, my odds, I can put up to $100. The five hits, I'm getting paid 150 on my odds and $5 for my flat bet. Yeah. Now, on the four and 10, for example, it works in reverse on the don't pass. So I put odds back there. I put $100 odds. I'm going to get paid 50 if it hits. But the odds are in my favor. Right. The likelihood of it getting it. Correct. High. Absolutely. So there's nothing to say you can't play both the don't pass and the pass at the same time and be able to reduce the house advantage even greater. Wow, this is this is mm. a, a, an approach to crabs I've never considered, and mm. now I want to go play right now. <laughs> like right now. <laughs> <laughs>
all the prop bets are horrible bets. The house has a huge advantage. Yeah. Oh, the the high, low, and all are all tall and small or whatever. It is. Right. I mean, you they hit sometimes. Yeah, they're sure. fun. They're fun. They're fun to play. But yeah. um, the house has a big advantage in those. Mm-hmm. On. Uh, and all the, the hard ways, for example. Now, I'm not opposed to playing hard ways, but I, what I like to do is parlay my bets if they hit. And uh, so, for example, I put $5 on a hard eight. Right. And it hits. So it pays nine to five. So I'm getting paid $45 plus my $5 Plus your original bet. five. So I'll parlay that bet. So I'm leaving it all out there. I only so, have $5 at risk. And now it's a $50. Now it's a $50 bet. So if you get it twice. If it hits again. Okay, I'm getting paid four fifty plus the original fifty. I'm five hundred and down. Yeah, that's for great. my five dollar bet. That's great. So I it like doesn't that. happen that often because any seven or any eight easy six two five three, that bet's going to lose. Mm-hmm. But I'm only risking five dollars for a potential payout of five hundred if it can hit twice. Yeah. And I've done that plenty of times, and it's a fun it's a fun bet to play. That's fun, dude. I never thought of that, too. That's such an easy press, too, because you're right. Ultimately, you're only risking $5. But it's, that's a nice one. Even if you just parlay it for half and go up to 25 on out there. It's well, a, yeah, it's you could nice, do a, a press yeah. at a different amount and, but it's, but and take some off the table. Leaving it all out there is fun, though. It's fun. Um, now, I am... This this happens to be the two hundredth podcast that the Bet Your Ash Podcasting Network has produced. So BYAPN BAPN has put out two hundred episodes. This is number two hundred, and I am, as you know, taking off on Saturday. I'm hooking up my trailer. I'm hauling hauling it down to Miami. I'm going to relocate, and I am sure. That at least once and possibly twice along the drive, I will be hopping off the highway at a casino to, you know, to stretch my legs a little at the craps table, get get the blood flowing, you know, rather than just sitting in the car the whole way. And I think I'm going to test some of these approaches. Well, keeping in mind that a lot of people put place bets up on the numbers, four, five, six, eight, Mm -hmm. nine, ten, put place bets. Um, some people put a come bet out there. <clears throat> a come bet, I'm not really a big fan of because you have to hit it twice to win. Right. You have to hit the number, your flat bet goes up, now you can put odds on it. But a lot of people don't realize you can put a put bet on the table, which you can place a flat bet with odds without having to go through the come. So you don't have to hit it twice to win. Oh, so and you're just you're just automatically assuming that your your first chip or whatever, your one denomination is is an even money bet, and the rest is at odds? It's odds. Right? Oh, I didn't know you could So put. you can do a put bet on any of those numbers. Oh. So I could put $10 on a 6 and 8 with $100 odds without having to go through the come and having to hit it twice. Keeping in mind that the average roll is 7 to 8 rolls, right? Right. Um, what I see a lot, too, is people like to uh, press their bets because they want to maximize their returns if if you have a hot shooter, right? Yeah. The only problem with that is many times people try to press that too much too often. They're full pressing their bets to maximize their returns, but that number hits once or twice, 
and then the seven outcomes. Yeah, they never they never pull down everything that they keep piling up on top of each other. Right. So if you like the idea of placing bets, um, then another strategy would be to press one unit, which is a betting unit. So you're taking some every time you win. You're taking some off the table, putting it in your rack. You're receiving some profit. Yeah. And then you're pressing one increment or one unit at a time or two units at a time. Yeah. That way your bet is incrementally going up and you're going to get paid more on a hot roll. But you're pulling some. But you're pulling some back if it's not a hot roll. And right. it is out in four, five, seven, eight um, rolls of the dice. Hmm. Good stuff. Well, that'll, uh, that'll take care of my gas. Oh, wait, I wanted yeah. to ask one other thing. Field bet. Horrible? Horrible. Horrible. Mm, horrible. I've always kind of assumed it without knowing the math behind it or or why it's horrible. I've always just felt like if they're giving me all these numbers on the same bet, I probably don't want all these numbers on the same bet. Like it's You're just... you're exactly right. And, but people see that and they see all the numbers out there. Yeah. And it's the biggest space on the table, right? Okay. So it's the inviting. biggest space it's on inviting. the table. Like, look, inviting. we got room for mm-hmm. you. Come on in. Well, the water's nice. <laughs> but you're getting paid even money on all the numbers except for two and twelve. Right. And some casinos will pay out two and twelve, two to one, sometimes They'll pay out two and 12, three to one, but it's still not a good bet because if you, and it's a one roll bet. One roll bet, yeah. So if I bet two and 12, for example, on a prop bet, I'm getting paid 30 to one instead of two or three to one. Good point. Now, I don't have those other numbers, but if I'm going to bet those other numbers, I want to bet them up either a place bet or a put bet where I'm getting some odds. Yeah, because odds is the way to go. You want you, you need to get paid when you hit. You can't keep you can't just play for even money because you're gonna lose it in the end. Or you're gonna lose more than you win. All right. Well that was awesome. I really appreciate it. And I've been uh, I've wanted I've wanted to get you on the podcast for a while. First off you have like a perfect voice for for podcasting, but um, I or want the, uh, or the remake of the Temptation, right? We we <laughs> should they... just we should type up a bunch of uh, reads and yeah, just have them do it. We just plug it in every week. <laughs> uh, and then I uh, and then I also just wanted to talk craps because I knew you would have a uh, you know have a unique approach that I had never considered. You know because I've always just been a player. This when my grandparents would go to the casino, my grandmother was this tiny little woman. Still is a tiny little woman because she's going to live forever. Um, but she would wear a bright red sweater. And they'd walk in and she'd, you know, she and my grandfather would eat. My grandfather hand her a couple hunch and she'd eat, keep a couple hunch and she'd find a slot machine and he'd know he could find her because she'd always wear this bright red sweater. And he would go to the craps table and that's what he, what he liked to play. And so I never got to go with him because, you know, he passed away when right when I got old enough to start going in the casino. But... I very, uh, I very early on started playing a little craps in homage, you know. So um, I'll tell you one more that I yeah. see people do. So if there's a long, long roll. People think, okay, a seven's coming. Yeah. So they'll bet any seven, right? And it pays four to one. So you put five dollars on the on the bet, or you can put a dollar on it. You know, you put a dollar on it. It pays four to one if the seven rolls. It's a one roll bet. Right. So a better strategy is to, you'll hear people say, hop the red. 
and hop in the red is you have a dollar on each combination of seven. So you have a dollar on five, two, four, three, six, one. Right. Each one of those pays 15 to one. Oh, you're getting a much better payoff. So I'm getting 15. I'm losing the two losers. So I'm getting paid 13. 13 to one as opposed to, to four to one. I mean, it's just easy math right there. Yeah. yeah. If I'm making the same wager, for example, I'm betting uh, $3. Yeah. Okay. If I bet $3 on any red, I get paid 12 bucks. That's what I win. So yeah. it ends up being a dollar. It ends up being a dollar difference, but a dollar is a dollar. Dollar is a dollar. And that's on the smallest wager possible. Now, if you're betting $100 or $1,000, now it starts to become a factor. That's a big denomination for a one roll. Duh, bet the. <laughs> well, I've seen it, and uh, one of the ladies that was my mentoring crap, she dealt in Vegas at the high roller games, and you had people betting a house on one roll of the dice, two hundred thousand dollars on a roll of the dice. Wow! And so there's people out there that make those types of wagers, but so understanding where you can maximize the benefit. Even if it's incrementally small, you're reducing the house odds all that more. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, it's all math. You know, whatever game you're playing, that's why roulette is. You know, those two those two green spots is just enough to mess up the fifty fiftiness of playing red black or odd even in roulette. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to find a roulette table that has a single green anymore. Well, no, there's always a, a zero and a double zero. A now. zero and a double zero. Yeah, I don't... Now, you can still find them, was, but they're harder to find. It, I mean, even... I mean, I've been going into casinos regularly for 20 years now, and even when I first started, it was rare to see. Um, but now, I've, I haven't seen one in years. I'm sure you can. Um, What's the most common uh, combination that you see? That you can roll? Seven. Seven. That's why it's the craps number, because it's so easy. It's the one you can roll the most. So there's 36 combinations of the rolls of the dice, Mm -hmm. and there's six combinations of seven. Three, four. Three, four, four, three. Because you have two dice. So you have three, four, four, three, five, two, two, five, six, ace, ace, six. So you have six combinations to roll a seven out of the 36. And that's the only one? That's the highest one, yeah. Yeah, then six and eight. Six and eight are the next most frequent, you know, mm-hmm. and then five and nine, four and ten, et cetera. Um, what do you guys think of the CAO bones? Does it taste like dominoes or craps? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, initially the aroma has a very uh chocolatey uh scent to it. Yeah. And it smells really good. Now, you don't really get so much of that when you start smoking it. Well, but right. the aroma is there when you initially, you know. Yeah, there's definitely a, there was definitely, as soon as you pointed it out, I, I noticed it right away. There's a sweetness to the smell. But you're right, you don't taste it much at all. When you ta- when you smoke the cigar, it's kind of bolt, you know, and it, there's not, there's no nothing sweet about it. You no. know, it's, it's substantial. And if you notice, it gives a little bit more in your hand. It gives a little bit more now that it's heated up. Mm. It's not as stiff as it was. That's a good point. And if you just give it a little squeeze and release, then it definitely bounced back. That's a lot of that's a lot of tobacco in there. Yeah. What I like about it too is the the smoke that comes. Yeah. 
because there's some cigars that you're not really getting, you know, a very light smoke comes off mm -hmm. of a puff. And with this one, you get a nice full, full smoke coming off. Yeah, true. Yeah, I think this is the same. It's the same outer wrapper as the the Amazon Amazonia. Uh, what's the Brasilia? The Brasilia from their world um, selection, uh -huh. and it's the same outer wrapper they use on that or Orlana or uh, Oralina one. Yeah, it's that darker uh, leaf yeah. that they use in the outside. But this is a much more um, kind of complex mixture inside, you know, mm -hmm. of the cigar. And, uh, I really this is this has become one of my favorites. Now I've always liked a lot of the CIO cigars, mm -hmm. not all, but uh, I've always liked a lot of uh, most of them. Um, and this has become one of my favorites that they they make. Well, they have a new cigar that's coming out, and CAO does. Um, we should be getting in here in the lounge in September. Capital Cigars, 919 East Colfax Ave, Denver, Colorado. The finest cigar lounge ever to open its doors. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> and um, this particular cigar is a, is, is a bit interesting. Um, we'll have to get this on the pot. It's the uh, CAO. Cameroon Perfecto. Ooh. Kind of looks like a short story. Is that what you were going to say? I was going to say it looks like uh, the little um, the little canisters you put in when you do whippets. Okay. Yeah, it looks, that it's that kind of shape with the little nipple on the yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll have that Don't in. do drugs, kids. No. <laughs> uh, we'll have it in, though, but that's a, it's a, it's a Cameroon wrapper. That's going to be real tasty. And um, it's new. CAO's got a few new new things cool. out. Um, but this is one, and I can't wait to get that in. Um, uh, it's shaped like the short story by Arturo Fuente. Yeah. But you don't see too many cigars shaped like that. No. That one is. The little nipple on the end is always makes me, makes me giggle. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, number 200 in the books. Yes. Here's to 200 more. I'm, I'm sure they might be a little different. We're going to be using Zoom a lot more. And um, mm -hmm. I'm going to be traveling and doing some other stuff. And there'll be times when you're in here with a guest or I'm elsewhere with a guest. But right. whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it rolling. And we'll yeah. do some cool stuff. It'll be uh, cross-state. but we'll... Yeah. Well, Eventually, it'll be international because I'm not going to stop Miami. I'm going to take over go. the world. Ur Uruguay. Uruguay is screaming my name, my friend. Uruguay. Uh, it's the uh, it's the good guy. So, all right, Darren, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, there, Darren. Thank you. I feel special being a part of the two hundredth podcast. <laughs> there you go, two hundredth yeah. podcast. Yeah. All right, we'll talk to you guys next time. That was another episode of Bet Your Ash, and the two hundredth episode produced by BYAP and Yapping. Uh, we like to use this opportunity at the end of every podcast to say thank you to some people. First off, our guest Darren. And then also, and as always, Binsky and Connor and Tyler and Tim uh, Nebraska and Coy Collins and Casey O'Flynn. And of course, to you, the listener. Because if a tree falls in the woods and nobody is around to hear it, it would even make a sound. You know what I mean? All right, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you very much. <laughs>